Welcome to the Joy Powered Workspace podcast, where we talk about embracing joy in the workplace. I'm Jody Curtis, owner of Purple Inc., an HR consulting firm. With me is my co-host, Susan White, owner of Susan Tender White Consulting, an HR consulting practice. Our topic today is write, write, and speak smart. Susan, I've been wondering if the art of writing well, speaking smart, or just plain old good grammar is a lost art. That is, with spelling and grammar checks available to us when we are wrong, do we really need to learn it? I can tell you, as a former 7th and 8th grade Martin County Spelling Bee champion, I'm disappointed in the lack of good spelling, <laughs> even with all those tools. Yeah, I am so impressed that you were a spelling bee champion. I think the pressure of it all would have just brought me to my knees. So well done. <laughs> so, and I tell you, I'm appalled at the lack of good grammar on social media. Some very well-educated people I know, and even some teachers, seem to either have a lack of the knowledge of good grammar or they just don't take the time to correct their post, which that's the part I'm hoping. I'm hoping they do do it and they just don't correct it. But it seems like people don't really care. Yeah, I have to say that I wonder if the rules are just different as it relates to social media. And what we think are, is very important in our emails and in our letters and our verbal communications, it seems like it's a different day. Yeah, which I think the more we don't follow the rules on social media, don't you think that makes that more commonplace then that people might not worry about the rules or feel like they have to follow the rules either? And then, um, I don't know. You're right. And I think it's like how we present ourselves. And so thinking about if, if we, you know, take shortcuts or we use poor grammar, that brand that we've talked about in a prior podcast, our brand, I think is weakened and diluted. So I do think it's worth the energy, the effort, to talk about what we're going to talk about today. How do we present ourselves as professionally and positively as we can? Right. I think too, that it seems like the younger generation seems to have given up on handwritten notes or thank you notes. Uh, I know my nieces and nephews, when they get a, a birthday present or a gift, they'll just send me a quick text. I should say my own kids as well too. They'll just send me a quick text or they'll send me a video. You know, so sending a handwritten note is just not very common anymore. It is not. I know that's something that you personally do because I've gotten a number of them from you. So Jody, I love your handwritten thank you notes, but I think it is a lost art. Yeah. Now a word from our sponsors. We're excited to tell you about our newest book, The Joy Powered Organization. Jody teamed up with fellow HR pros, Megan Nail and Jeremy York to share research, ideas, stories, and experiences to help you build a positive organization with employees who have been empowered to find their joy. You will learn how intentionally focusing on areas like diversity, communication, total rewards, and more can inspire joy in your organization. Find out more about the Joy Powered Organization and how to buy it at getjoypowered.com books. So to help us learn more on this topic, we've invited back a very popular former guest, Linda Comerford. She joined us on episode number 72 to discuss enhancing your business communications 
and also on episode number 99 to talk about emotional intelligence. Linda has been training for 30 years, specializing in written, oral, and interpersonal communication skills, including writing, written grammar, oral grammar, presentations, and customer service. Many clients request her newest program, Communicaring, a unique series that can be customized for increased confident, competent, and compassionate communication. I think it's so funny that Susan and I didn't even know each other over 20 years ago, but yet Linda taught both of us at separate organizations, business writing skills. So that is amazing. I still hear her in my head when I'm yeah. trying to, to really fix an email, like what's my purpose here? Do I, you know, I hear Linda's voice. Welcome, Linda. We are so glad that you are back. Thank you. I am delighted to be back. Are people writing more and enjoying it less in the business world nowadays? Susan, I am so glad you asked that. I can almost picture people listening to this podcast nodding their heads in agreement, <laughs> even though we can't actually see them doing that. I'm going to nod for all of them out there. There yes. you go. There you go. I'm, we're The three of us are sitting here nodding. Yes. And it's, it's really interesting because as always, I'm a storyteller and I know Jody, you like stories too. So I'm going to start with a brief story that lets you know why I'm so frustrated about all that's going on regarding writing in the business world nowadays. Years ago, I used to teach a writing class at a Midwest university. All the students who became business majors had to take a variety of communication classes. And I would work with them on this 50 minute class. It was the most exhausting training I have ever done. I felt like a Southwestern flight attendant. I'd start an eight o'clock class, nine o'clock class, 10 o'clock class, <laughs> 11 o'clock, down till six o'clock at night, 50 minutes trying to teach people at the university there how to write differently in the business world than they do to satisfy their professors. And their professors, think back to college, really like it when their students write using big words, you know how we go to a thesaurus to get a more multi-syllabic word that would impress our <laughs> professors and weave those into long sentences and even longer paragraphs. And that's the way those students were getting in A academically. I wanted to show them the difference in business writing. I did this course for years, this program for years, until about two years ago, I got a text from the relatively new person in charge of that program saying, by the way, Linda, we've removed your program from our communication series because we did some research and we found out that people really aren't writing at all in the business world anymore. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh gosh. Sums it up. Or maybe just a little bit, but not enough to actually offer a workshop on that. And I'm rarely speechless, but I was stunned at that university reaching that conclusion. So I've been, of course, my antenna have been up thinking, wait a minute, maybe people aren't writing as much in the business world. I knew that wasn't true, but I started doing my own informal research and then came COVID. And now ladies and everybody out there listening to this, instead of writing less, we're actually writing more. Why? We can't meet people at the water cooler and the cafeteria. We just don't run into people. People really don't, aren't that talking on the phone either nowadays, which really surprises me. So what are we left with? We're left with writing. And I'm sure you've all heard of Zoom fatigue. There is actually now a kind of cousin to that called writing fatigue, 
word, Microsoft Word fatigue, fatigue, whatever. It's just like Zoom fatigue. People are getting so tired of having to write so many emails. And what's also happening with this version of writing fatigue, picture your own inboxes. You get up in the morning, you, you turn on your computer and down come your emails for the day, a whole bunch of them. And you think, oh my gosh, but I still have other ones to do. So eventually, even the important emails you have to respond to keep drifting downward, kind of like leaves in the fall. And eventually you're, you're like weeks behind because so many new emails keep pressing down on the emails you meant to write about yesterday or last week or whatever. So people are just overwhelmed trying to keep up with their busy calendars. Can you relate? Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly how I feel in this moment right now, Linda, that I consider myself to be a very organized person. And yet lately, I just cannot keep up with my own email. I just can't keep up. Glad I'm touching a nerve with you because it's the same for me. Yeah. And Linda, I do have to laugh thinking how ironic it is that the university texted you (laughs) to say that the program was being discontinued. (laughs) I might add, I can vent a little bit. That was two days before I was supposed to drive seven hours to this place to actually do that program. I, I just wrote kind oh. of a touch base. Uh, looking forward to seeing you Wednesday. Oh, she wrote back. Didn't I tell you six months ago, we decided we weren't offering that again this semester. That's how it oh, happened. Gosh. Awful. That is not a good way to write. Let me tell you. It's not a good strategy. <laughs> yeah. No. We could have a whole nother podcast on that kind of communication, right? Too true. Mm-hmm. Yes. So Linda, how are schools equipping those in the business world to write more effectively and efficiently? I mean, if they're dropping those types of courses, what's happening out there? To me, it's it's very discouraging for the students because just about everybody who is a business major had to take some form of a course called business communications. It was usually a jam-packed semester. Sometimes if students were lucky, they would get two semesters combining writing skills and presentation skills all in one class. So you'd write about something, then you'd speak about something. And that was a springboard to equip people joining the business world after college graduation so that they could again adopt a business writing and presenting style versus an academic version. And even though students didn't go off perfectly equipped to match what the business world was wanting regarding their writing and oral communication skills, at least they had a foundation for how to begin that they could build once they actually started their jobs. I've checked in with universities and the rare university is now offering any kind of business communication class whatsoever. Their theory is either just not that much of it is required in the business world. This university actually did research of a lot of companies and the companies wrote back and said, no, our people aren't writing anymore. And that's how they made that decision. I'd love to know which companies those were. I don't know. But beyond that, they may think, ah, they'll just pick it up on the job as they go but the students really are not equipped. So then what happens? You get to these companies and surveys are done. What's your biggest frustration with people? And they respond, our people just don't know how to communicate in writing or in speaking. And I can tell you a quick story again about my daughter who years ago went to a university that's near and dear to my heart, Indiana University. Christy was an accounting major there in the Kelly School of Business. 
she'll tell you out of all the accounting classes that she took, and at that point, the program was actually expanded to for all accounting majors had to take a five-year program rather than just a four-year program. What did they add in that fifth year? You know where I'm going with this, ladies. They added more accounting classes. But the most useful class for Christy was a little two-credit class called listening skills. That's something, I mean, we hear, but we don't always listen. And they blended in a little bit of writing and, and speaking along the way. Two credit class. And she said, mom, I've learned more that helps me communicate in my career. Now she's been in the business world for 20 years with that two credit course than I did with any course on debits and credits. All companies have their own ways of, of doing accounting. But she said the listening concepts she received were universal and so helpful. So I would love to see universities offering just one class two or three credits, just a little bit of basic fundamental foundational skills on how to write some key grammar and punctuation rules like, do you put a comma before and in a series of three or more? Very controversial rule to this day. The answer is yes, otherwise you can get sued. I mean, just basic practical things that these students can rely on because they're going to be spending a lot of time writing and speaking, despite what that university may have thought from their research. So it sounds like the university doors are shutting on this really important topic, but does that mean that employers really need to start thinking, all right, I'm going to get folks that maybe have some technical expertise, but we need to think about some of these soft skills uh, that are going to be critical to our success. And are you seeing businesses starting to incorporate business communications into maybe the orientation, the assimilation, onboarding of new hires? They are getting very creative about doing that more and more. And I, I will be a, you know, a little selfishly ironic here. When I did get that text, I said, well, job security for me because at these universities <laughs> aren't offering these classes. That opens the door for me to do more, more workshops on it. And yes, Susan, all of the above is, is what they're doing. Now, now, what I have not really seen it offered as part of the onboarding process, at least not with my clients, although I think it's an excellent idea if any of you are listening and want to want to take a note on that. <laughs> yes. I, I think that's great. But I'm getting more requests for writing and grammar. And, and I never thought I'd be teaching oral grammar. I, I just didn't even think that course could exist. But again, that came at a, at a client request, I guess now about 10 years ago. And I've been doing a lot of work on just how to use correct grammar and pronunciation because folks you have in the business world or in general, what I call a writing image and a speaking image. Let's focus here on the writing just for a moment. Think about when, as I said, you start your day, you have your coffee and all these emails flood into your inbox. Don't you just scroll down and see various names like you will see Susan White. Oh, I got an email from Susan. That's awesome. I love to hear from Susan. I can always figure out at a glance what she's writing about. She gives bullet lists so I can write my responses to her questions right in. I don't have to generate a separate email. She's, she's friendly. I mean, she's a day brightener. I love hearing from Susan White. That's what I think everybody says. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but then we see, oh. Jody Curtis. Oh my gosh. Mm. No. <laughs> Jody's just got her mouth wide open, like, no, don't use me as an example for that. Don't we have those people, not Jody, where we just say, here we go again. Another, another email from Fred. You can never figure out what Fred is 
even trying to communicate what his point is. And is I have to, that, that scroll bar on the side becomes as small as a hyphen because he writes these two and three screenfuls of email words. I don't know what he's even trying to communicate to me. I hate hearing from Fred. So you've got an image. Think about how you want people to react when your name pops up as the sender of an email to them. And think about how you can modify your writing so they sit up and go, wow, I want to hear from Susan. Oh, no, now I'm hearing from Fred. Yeah, that I love that. I, I never intentionally have thought about that before. Like what might people think when they see they have an email from me? I, I love that. Good. Thank you. Glad you do. Linda, Susan and I talked at the top of the podcast about, you know, all the tools out there for spelling and grammar and punctuation. So since we have all those tools electronically, do people even think that's important anymore or a computer will catch it? Well, I will tell you just last week I was doing a writing class and someone said, I think texting has ruined writing and grammar, Linda. What do you think? And I, yeah, we think we can just dash down things any old way, not realizing that grammar rules are not there to be a problem for us to try and learn how to use them correctly. Instead, they're a way to help us communicate more clearly with our readers. They're, they're there for a reason. Now, in, in terms of those tools, yes, technology can help us. And uh, years ago, people didn't even bother to turn on their grammar or their spelling tool because they thought, oh gosh, it takes too much time to use those. No, you can't afford not to have those on. Now, in terms of spelling, the spell checker is fabulous. It catches so many mistakes. Despite using a spell checker, you still have to proofread what you've written. Let me tell you a story about a big waste of time when that did not occur. A company was having trouble with their customer service. So the manager pulled a team together and said, create a survey, send it out. We'll find out what our customers want us to do and we're good to go. So that happened and the manager wrote what she thought was an email that said to that team, our customers are now satisfied with our customer service, and that was supposed to be the end of that, right? Wrong. A few weeks later, the supervisor was walking past a conference room and looked in and saw that same team still together. She went in and she said, hi, what are you all doing? And they said, well, we're, we're working on the customer service problem. She said, that was solved weeks ago. Why are you doing that? And they said, because you told us to. The supervisor thought she had written, our customers are now satisfied with our customer service. She actually wrote, our customers are not satisfied. Oh. Oh, I love your reactions. Oh, that's what that team thought with our customer service. Now, not one little letter that because of a lack of proofreading, look at all the time that was wasted and, and time is money. So despite that though, the spell checker does catch most of your errors. The grammar checker, on the other hand, I find this fascinating, catches only about 30% of your written errors. So does that mean that 70% it's grammar checker is wrong for 70% of the errors? No, it just means that you wrote things one way. Your grammar checker says, you know, I think it might be kind of nicer if you wrote it a different way. And what happens, especially 
ladies, with people and gentlemen out there, with people who don't have this foundation of education that we're talking about, they say, I got a green underline. That means I did something wrong with my grammar. I have to fix it. And I have seen people take what was really good as, as a start and can change their sentences into ones that were way worse thinking they were following the advice of the grammar checker. So I'm recommending you still use the grammar technology to help you, but remember you're smarter than any computer. Use it as a safety net for maybe it'll catch an occasional error. I, you know, I'm a grammar expert and it'll still catch things like subject verb agreement errors for me, write it and put an S on the end of a verb or whatever. And I'll say, oh, wow. So glad I had the grammar checker on, but most of the time you're smarter than your grammar checker. So trust <laughs> yourselves as well. I love that. So Linda, you had mentioned oral grammar. How does oral grammar differ from written grammar? And how do you teach it differently? It's really interesting with oral grammar because written grammar has lots of different things that can go on there. But with oral grammar, basically you're misspeaking if you have any oral grammar issues, only five parts of speech. So that makes it a lot simpler, Susan, to do. You use wrong verbs. Now, some people, you know, it depends on, on your level. The worst errors that you can do misusing your verbs are saying things like we seen and we done and we was, those types of things. And, and those errors are prevalent all over the United States. So your verbs can be wrong. Pronouns, I am hearing more people throw out vague pronouns anymore like he or she, and they've been talking about a couple of different people. And I'm saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, whom are you referring to? We were talking about Susan and George, are you, and, and then Fred came in the picture. Who's the he? Is it George or Fred? Oh, oh, I thought I clarified. People just throw pronouns out all over the place and assume you're going to figure out whom it is they are referring to. So we have verb issues, we have pronoun issues, we have adjective and adverb issues. Like, you did a real good job, Jody, on pulling this podcast together. No, Jody, you didn't do a real good job. You did a really good job. That's the professional way to do it. I'm not going to get into all of the rules, just giving you the parts of speech. And then the last part of speech is prepositions. How many times nationwide do you hear people say, where's it at? <laughs> where's it at? <laughs> did not give you a very professional sounding image because of that little at at tagging along at the end of the sentence, just where is it? So I teach verbs and I teach pronouns, adjectives, adverbs, and prepositions. And it all comes together and people say, wow, I never realized that. And that makes them sound more professional, gives them a more of a professional image. But I find that I'm teaching more than just grammar. A lot of people, basically, I'd say their grammar is about 85% of the way there. But pronunciation, before I started teaching oral grammar, I never realized how sloppy my pronunciation was. I was saying words like gonna, wanna, walk and talk and eat and drink and dropping my INGs. I didn't even realize that. Now I'm way more conscious of saying going to, walking, putting my INGs on verbs. Instead of saying, I'm talking to ya, I'm talking to you. So the concept I've come up with with that is I ask my people in my workshops to speak using lip aerobics. You know how we exercise to build up our bodies and our muscles, and that's what happens when we exercise our bodies? Well, we want to exercise our mouths, our lips, our teeth, 
our tongues to be able to enunciate and pronounce words as clearly as possible. So when you speak with lip aerobics, that makes you sound as professional as you actually are. And think about it, when you're doing a Zoom call, like right now, Jody and Susan can both see my lips moving very, very carefully as I enunciate, including T's on the ends of my words, everything that I'm saying, they can see my mouth is moving. But if we were just on a regular phone call and then people start to mumble and they start to stammer and they're just kind of talking like this, people can't understand you. So speak with lip aerobics, open your mouths, enunciate, speak and pronounce, and you will sound more professional as a result. Make sense? Sure does. I love it. Susan, we've got some homework to do with our lip aerobics here. Yeah, sounds fun. Jody, perfect. Your mouth moved perfectly. I could just see it. <laughs> Every word. Linda, can you close us out with a few tips to write, edit, and speak more competently, competently and correctly? For writing, the best tip I can give you is the word short. Readers don't have time for long words woven into long sentences, woven into long paragraphs, as I mentioned before. Quick tip, the average reader, short-term memory, can hold on to about 16 words per sentence. You talked about homework, Jody. All of you out there, maybe take a moment to go through your, your sent communications. Grab a, an email that has some length to it. And just for fun, start counting a few of the words in your sentences. I had one woman in a class one time who said, Linda, you mentioned shorter sentences. I know I write short sentences. So I'm very proud of myself for that. I said, great. That's wonderful, Marsha. At break, she went away, got a writing sample, came back and said, oh my gosh, I am so embarrassed. And I said, why? And she said, I counted just the words in the first sentence of this letter, she said, would you believe I had 32 words in that one sentence? She said, if you'd assigned me to write a 32 word sentence, I would have said, oh no, no, I can't write a sentence that long. Yes, it's easier to write longer sentences than shorter sentences. So quick tip, Microsoft Word actually has a tool called Readability Statistics, if you activate it, that will tell you on average how many words per sentence you're writing. I am not saying every word has to be 16 sentences. Uh, 16 words or fewer, just on average. But Microsoft Word's readability statistics will tell you on average how many words per sentence you're using. But if you want a simpler way to check that out, just read aloud what you've written. And you have to hyperventilate to read one of your own sentences aloud because you're gasping for breath. You have too many words in that one sentence. So shorter is a good way to go. Second quick tip, please use bullets as much as you possibly can or numbered lists. Those help you shorten your words, your sentences, your paragraphs, and they're scannable. Just quick glance and I can see three bullets, one, two, three. And as I used as an example earlier, writing back, how easy is it if Susan does use a bullet list where I can just slip in my responses to what it is she's writing to me about. So your goal should be when you write that your readers can take a one and done philosophy toward your writing. I can read what you've sent through once, get the point, answer quickly, send my response and get something off my to-do list that's so overwhelming to me right now. So that's, that's some quick writing tips. As far as editing goes, just be aware of the value of 
rereading what it is you've sent out to catch those errors like the difference between not and now and, and the meaning of a sentence with misusing those words to your readers. And I've come up with a tip recently that sounds kind of silly, but if you think about it, it actually works. When you write, you are writing as a writer, but you are writing to a living, breathing, functioning, live audience. So you need to switch your persona. After you've written your email, letters, reports, proposals, whatever, as well as you think you can possibly write them, you want to switch from being a writer to a reader. And the tip is, I'm in a swivel chair right now, literally turn around in your chair. I'm doing it right now. Swivel around completely and then say, okay, I am no longer Linda Comerford writer. I am now my audience, whoever that audience might be. So if I were writing to Susan and Jody, I would become Susan and I would become Jody. And I know Susan and Jody just from, we, we go back to the 80s, communicating with them for years. I know how to write to them. I know one tip when you write to Jody Curtis, and I think Jody's going to react to this. Jody likes things as short as possible. She does not want a lot of extra details. If she needs them, she will ask for them. So I will go through if I'm writing to Jody and realize, wow, I put way too much detail in there. Gosh, she's never going to read through all this. What does Jody really want to need at this point in time? And I revise with Jody in mind. I might do something a little bit different when I'm writing to Susan. So the more you can get into the eyeballs of your readers as you're editing for length, as you're editing for clarity, I'm not writing as Linda Comerford. Boy, if I could write to Jody, Linda Comerford, I'd have three screens full. Jody's just going to need three bullets, and I will then revise. Jody wants short and bullets, I can tell you. <laughs> That's what I've learned about you. So just reading from the eyeballs of your reader. How will your different readers respond is the best tip I can give you for that. And of course, have your little grammar checker on as well. And then as far as speaking goes, I've already mentioned what I think is the best tip for that. Do your lip aerobics. Slow down and enunciate. Think of others. It's not about you. It's about your audience. Did those tips help? Love it. Very much so. Linda, how can our listeners reach out to you for coaching and or training on communication skills? I would just love to hear from all of you. Yes, what you can do is you can write to me at, my email address is Linda at ComerfordConsulting.com. And Comerford is spelled C-O-M as in Mary, E-R, F as in Frank, O-R, D as in dog. Linda at ComerfordConsulting.com. Dot com. Or if it's easier, you can simply text me or call me and my cell. My cell number is 317-696-4444. 317-696-4444. Fair warning. I've had a lot of people tell me when they write to me, because I'm a writing expert, they get very nervous and they think yes. I'm going to edit <laughs> what they've written. I promise I will not. I will accept whatever you write me with gratitude. Love to hear from you. Thanks for joining us. I'm happy to give you the tips. I hope they help you write right and speak smart now and in the future. Thank you, Linda. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Now a word from our sponsors. Jody, I've been talking to a lot of people who say the pandemic has left them feeling a bit blah and unmotivated. Yes, me too. And I sense there's a desire to get back on track. 
One of our repeat podcast guests, Dr. Sandra Schrock, CEO of Levelhead, just released her latest book, Thriving in a Global Pandemic and Beyond, and that really addresses what we're all feeling. What I like is that it's a handbook, really. You don't have to read it cover to cover. Just jump to the topic that interests you most, whether that's stress, focus and attention, relationships, healthy habits, and more. Each chapter helps you understand the why as well as the how, with over 100 brief self-care practices included. As listeners, use the code JOY20, that's J-O-Y-2-0, for a discount of 20% off the paperback version. Employers are even purchasing for their employees during this time of transition. Find it on getlevelhead.com. That's getlevelhead.com to order today. Our listener question actually came from a friend of ours this week. She's taking on a manager role for the first time and was stepping into her first meeting, which she knew was going to be difficult. The group was angry about some upcoming issues, and she really wanted to go in there and do a good job. Jody, I know she spoke to you about this. What advice did you give her? I talked to her about the importance of listening, right? I mean, she knew going into it that they were upset. And I think so many times that people, when they're upset, they want to be heard and they they want to be able to use their voice. So I encouraged her to just listen as much as she could and to even take notes or to be honest, to just act like she was taking notes, <laughs> because I think that's a sign of, of showing that you're listening, right? When, when you're writing things down, that, that someone is capturing that information. I also encouraged her to ask them for ideas and solutions. So before she jumped in, she felt like she knew the answer, you know, and and the responses she could give before she ever got into the meeting. But that's, I encouraged her to listen, to take notes, and to ask them for their ideas and solutions before she jumped in with her own. I also encouraged her to ask them about, you know, with Susan, we both have positivity. So we look, like to look for, for the positive in this situation. And I encouraged her to ask them questions about what is working well? What do they like about this new situation? What to, to sort of shift their mindset, right? To think about not just what they were mad about, but what was exciting or new or interesting to them about the change as well. I think that's great advice. And I think she needs to remember that they put her in a manager role for a reason and to bring her natural strengths. And I love the listen first, take notes, ask for their solutions, and then try to get them on a positive wavelength. Really good advice. In our In the News section today, Stephen Miller wrote a May article for Sure Magazine, and he stated that the COVID-19 pandemic drove more employers to offer voluntary benefits, and now employee pay-all benefits are expected to play a greater role after the pandemic. I was kind of surprised by this, or I just hadn't thought about it, I guess, so I thought this was so interesting. According to the findings from consultancy Willis Towers Watson, 
94% of large employers believe that voluntary benefits will be more important to their total reward strategy. I think it's hard to get 94% of anything <laughs> in companies to agree. So that was a pretty powerful number. Yes. And that was compared with 36% of employers who said they were important back in 2018. So a huge, like tripled responses on this. I have to think it must be the war on talent that you know the world is facing right now, that businesses are figuring out what more can we do to make our place of employment more attractive. And voluntary benefits might just be one of those areas that we can do, we can, we can leverage. Right. So Susan, I thought we could share with our listeners what those five fastest growing benefits are. Number one was identity theft protection plans. So currently 53% of employers offer them, but by 2022 and later, they expect that to be 78%. Number two is hospital indemnity plans. Currently, we're at 42% of businesses offering it. By 2022, they're anticipating 65%. And pet insurance plans are currently at 47%, projected to be at 69%. And number four is critical illness plans, currently at 57%, projected to grow to 76%. And finally, group legal plans, currently at 58%, expected to be up to 75%. Fascinating. Yeah, it was interesting information. Thanks for tuning in today and make it a joy-powered day. Thank you. If you would like SHRM recertification credit for listening to this podcast, please visit getjoypowered.com slash SHRM. You'll find an evaluation of the podcast. And once you complete the evaluation, you will see the SHRM recertification credit code and a link to a proof of participation certificate. Again, that's getjoypowered.com slash SHRM. Thank you for listening, and thanks for your dedication to the HR profession. Thank you for listening. If you liked the show, please tell your friends about it and let us know what you think by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. You can learn more about Joy Powered at getjoypowered.com. Check out the Joy Powered shop where you can order our books, journals, and other items that power our joy at getjoypowered.com slash shop. We're at Joy Powered on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can email us at joypowered at gmail.com. We hope you tune in next time. Make it a joy-powered day.